Welcome to the ECG Podcast, a show where some East Coast buddies who have never met in person gather remotely once a week to hang out and discuss our love of video games. On this week's episode for January 24th, 2020, we're talking about 10 influential games of the 2010s. We're going to discuss one at a time some of the games that we think are most important for the decade. Maybe not necessarily the best in some cases, but definitely the most influential. Uh, Tonight, I am Chris Waterman. I'm always Chris Waterman, actually, but I'm one of your hosts, Chris Waterman (laughs) from Jacksonville, Florida, joined by two handsome, intelligent, charming fellas. First up, we got Adam Gumbert from Lexington, Kentucky. What's up, Adam? Hey, what's up? And we've got uh, Georgia Ravelo from Miami, Florida. Hey, what's going on? What's going on? Excellent. Uh, here with us in spirit, of course, Zach Cassell from Boston, Massachusetts, and Robbie Bobby Miller, who's either playing Foxyland or uh, maybe losing a big toe. We wish him a speedy recovery. <laughs> Let's jump right into it, fellas. Who wants to go first with your first game? I'm excited. I think this is going to be a, a great episode. Don't all jump I over. say Chris goes. I go first. All right. All right. Yeah, all right. Good. So um, I'm going to, for my first game, uh, do Grand Theft Auto 5. Um, I think uh, pretty low-hanging fruit there, but a uh, very important game for a number of reasons. Uh, even by Rockstar standards, I think uh, this game was massive in scope for the time that it came out. Really pushed that 360 PS3 generation hardware to its maximum potential. And uh, really just uh, phenomenal in every way possible. You've got a stellar, robust campaign with three main protagonists, which was a first for the series. You've got uh, a stellar online mode that has just gotten better with time. And then, um, you know, as always, you have a great open world with a banging soundtrack to, um, you know, uh, whisk you away um, as you're driving around causing mayhem. Um, I remember buying this game on the day that it came out uh, at GameStop after work, back when I still bought physical games and went to GameStop, and being just utterly stoked, excited uh, with the review scores that were dropping, um, you know, the IGNs, the uh, game spots, all, all the outlets seemed to adore it. Um, and I remember just drooling over that, uh, that footage um, from the, the introduction videos and the commercials and all the things that they did for the marketing ramp up for, for this particular game. I have very fond memories with just losing lots and lots and lots of uh, sleep and uh, just being a game that when I wasn't playing, all I was thinking about um, was playing it. Um, hard to imagine a time where the online component wasn't switched on, but um, you know the, the online launched a little bit after the uh, the game came out, and um, to say that it didn't work would kind of be an understatement. But you could kind of see the potential there, and I think uh, Rockstar did a great job of kind of fleshing it out as they went. But um, I think one of the greatest strengths of uh of the game was the the three protagonists and sort of how you're introduced to each and uh, being able to switch between them in missions probably my favorite feature of the game because you got multiple perspectives as you played through um what kind of uh fond memories uh, do you guys have is there anything in particular that stands out like thinking back to when you first played it obviously uh first of all the fact that that game ran on a ps3 and a 360 is insane like when it first came out, because eh, that game is ridiculous. Um, you said the first memories. I just love when you're 
there's just all the little details. Like every time you switch characters, and then anytime you switch to Trevor, it's nonsense. There's stuff I haven't even seen that he does whenever you switch to him. It's like he's drunk in a dress, like on a mountaintop, and then you get attacked by a cougar. And it's like it's crazy the amount of stuff they put in that game that most people never even find. And it's also this GTA is like a thing that literally everyone and their mom has heard of. And like you can't you can't over overstate that. Like everyone knows what GTA is. There when I was working at GameStop when this game came out, there was people who never come in that store but once every five years to buy a new Rockstar game and a place is packed. Like it is for some people it's this is the only game that they play. And that's that's a big accomplishment. Yeah, you talked about secrets a little bit. Um, the, do you remember all the crazy people that were hunting for, you know, the hieroglyphs and, you know, glitching into the underground bunkers, looking for the alien stuff? Like, I remember the conversation around this game for years after its development was was fierce. And in fact, it's more of a surprise that nowadays, even seven years nearly um, from the release date, when this game's not on the MPD top uh, 10, less than you know when it is which i think speaks volumes about the quality and the lasting legacy that you know that it's had yeah i don't know how people don't own it and they keep buying it every month it's insane absolutely and you know uh, props to rockstar too when bringing it to modern consoles adding in some some great features to the game the first person mode the fact that you could play the whole thing in first person was just uh, i mean incredible in my opinion um heist you know being a thing like sort of those multi-stage thing both online and single player online in particular really really fun um george i I lament if you've never played a gta heist online it's like a destiny raid you know that you play with your buds and that you're playing multiple missions that's very mechanically based and it has just some really really great memorable moments yeah that's the one thing that i never got to really experience with that game because i i kind of just went through the story you know loved the game um but i never got around to playing it online and by the time that i had some time or interest in it it just felt like i would be so out of place or far behind um that i never really went through with it i actually don't even own it on the current gen console i I only had my playthrough in the um on the original 360 good Um, news for you it's on game pass yeah, I know. And I think I downloaded it and I was like, no, one of these days I'm fuck with it or something, but I never I haven't gotten around to it. Um, but yeah, man, that game was great, man. It's, you know, arguably the best GTA to date um, and the game that keeps on giving, you know, I've, you got to recognize the fact that the game just will not die, you know, um, which is sad because I feel like maybe there would be another Grand Theft Auto if that game had died sooner, but um i don't blame it for for um continuing to milk it but they keep adding stuff left and right like it's you know they just did it right rockstar knows what the hell they're doing man they've earned that i will say online if you're ever curious number one it's a great playground just get in and goof around like the stunt races and like the tron cycle stuff like the tron cycle thing is just such dumb fun but also like even though you'll start with no money um it's pretty easy to to get you some cash because like when you start the heist, they give you a mini heist to give you a little bankroll for like weapons and to be able to buy body armor and stuff in between the the heist setup missions. And then you get so much money from even just doing your first heist that uh, like you're not really behind for it's not like a level based thing like Destiny where you're like, oh, I'd have to grind up to get to where my friends are. They made it very friendly for the drop in and drop out. You know, I mean, of course. You can buy some disgusting cars and a nice pad and stuff like that. Um, you know, if you do, or if you're invested in the ecosystem, there's a lot of vanity items and, and some cool functional stuff as well. But it doesn't impede your fun if you don't have that stuff. Like, I, and I was right there with you. Um, uh, it took me a while to get in and play online. 
if you're ever curious, uh, I have a friend who didn't play at all, like 360 or Xbox One. Uh, my best friend, Max, what's up? Uh, downloaded it as part of his Game Pass, and he is just, the last Grand Theft Auto game he played, I think, was San Andreas. So he's just floored by it and was expressing some interest in maybe doing some stuff online. Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I got to. I, I got to just give it a go um, and find the time. That's that's it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I hear you. Um, cool. Anybody want to add anything else before we move on to the next game? Let's do it. All right, George. I'm I'm designating you as going next. Hit us Shit. with your next game. Okay, it's the first game that I'm gonna talk about. Oh, oh, okay. This might be easy. It's my favorite game ever. Mass Effect Two. Um, well, in general, the Mass Effect series. You know, I think fall into that decade. Um, and obviously, I think obviously Mass Effect Two is a better game. Um, for me, that game was just will always hold a special place in my heart. Um, you know, we've talked about it before, the suicide mission. For me, there's still nothing like it. Um, the stakes were so high in that game and felt like it all throughout. Uh, the story was, you know, in my opinion, second to none. Being able to interact with all these different characters, um, you know, basically an entire world just built from the ground up. Um, seeing your choices from one game to the next uh, uh have you know legitimate impact and kind of affect the way that the game is played and how the story plays out um it, it's something that i think bioware perfected really with with mass effect in some ways they may have peaked there as well with some of the issues that they've been having lately but um you can't you can't discuss this this decade without having a mass effect throw. um it's just a phenomenal game um you know, I, I need to go back and get another playthrough, and I've I've yet to find a game that has give that has given me the same level of satisfaction or enjoyment since Mass Effect Two, and it's something I've been searching for for a while. Um, a lot of them have been close, but that game's still always going to be like the top, you know, the one for me, anyways. Um, what about you guys? You guys have had to play, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say for me, like uh. It's one of those games that takes me to like a very specific time. Like I remember I was uh, house sitting for somebody. Um, yeah, I just graduated college recently, so I was still living at home. So I had the opportunity to like spend a couple of weeks uh, house sitting for, um, you know, somebody when this game was out. And I just remember like coming home from work and playing until like I literally like couldn't keep my eyes open anymore. Um, have really, really like strong sense of the first time you land on Omega. And you go into the Afterlife Club and just the music and the lighting and like kind of that seedy underground feeling um, like there was just so much more detail everywhere from Mass Effect 1, which I still love. Um, I just felt like the world felt so much more uh, alive than the first game in a lot of ways, you know, because of the tech, because of yeah. the scope and everything. Um, and then just the companions, you know, like. Um, whereas in like one, it was fun, you know, to engage your companions and talk and everything, but the loyalty missions, adding a, a mission specifically for each companion. So you really got a huge chunk of storytelling. Um, and it brought you closer, you know, um, to each of those characters, understanding where they come from. And it made me care about them so much by the time you got to that, um, suicide mission that I didn't want anything bad to happen to, to, to any of them. Yeah, I think. I think Mass Effect, I think that is like the epitome of perfecting a game from, you know, uh, by the time that you make the sequel, right? Taking everything that was good from, you know, your original game 
and then kind of fine tuning and, and making it that much greater when you're making the part two. I think the jump from one to two is probably one of the better things that I've seen um, in a video game probably ever. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of great sequels out there as well. Um, but that jump was just incredible. I, again, I enjoyed one, but I loved two. Yeah, they ditched the combat, ditched the Mako. Um, major abilities feel good to use. The tech and biotic combos were great. And then, you know, I think less emptiness in some of the areas and instead had more detail in smaller areas. And it just, yeah, it knocked it out of the park. Did you play this one, Adam? I'm assuming you did. Oh, yeah, of course. That's uh, some of the best writing and best characters in, in like all of video games. That's, yeah, that's, that's the pinnacle of Bioware and that series specifically is just like the best thing. Um, yeah, it's super influential. Just like that's what I feel like. That's what a Western RPG is, Mass Effect specifically too. And I like three a lot as well. Yeah, and it, I think worth noting too, DLC was was on point for that game as well. Um, you had some of the most robust downloadable content. The layer, the Shadow Broker in particular, is just excellence in downloadable content. It's so good, man. It almost makes me sad just thinking about it, man. Why? It's there. It's backwards <laughs> compatible. You can play it anytime you want. I know, but why, why, for me, like, it's like, why, you know, Mass Effect 2 came out 2010 on the dot, you know, why do I have to go back to 2010 for that, for a game like that? Why isn't there a Mass Effect 2 today, right now? Why isn't there a Mass Effect 2 type of game coming out every year, every year, you know? Why oh, aren't we at like five or six right now? And that's the shit that bothers me. Uh, yeah, that I hear. There's rumblings that they may be doing a, a remaster, like, trilogy, the, the, Bioware account, Mass Effect account, or whatever, was spinning up some stuff about mass relays this week. So, never know. Um, I mean, you, you. I hope Bioware returns to form someday. I think, you know, uh, they lost a lot of good folks over there, so it's a very different company than from when Mass Effect Two came out. But that doesn't mean that they're not capable of, of bouncing back and creating something special. Although there may not be another Mass Effect out there someday. Maybe Cyberpunk will be that. Who knows? <laughs> All right, Adam, what do you got for for our first game, man? All right, my first game, uh, I'm going to go with Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. Ooh, yeah. I mean, look again, literally who hasn't played this game, uh, is as far as like Bethesda, like it's, I mean, it's a joke now because it's been released literally 17 times, but <laughs> that's got to be Bethesda's like moneymaker. That game captured everybody in 2011, and then it just continued to do it year after year. Just like that was one of the, not the first open world games, but it was one of the best made open world games at that point where you could literally, you see that mountain, go over there, and then you could just do anything everywhere. And it seems like the game never ever ran out of content. Like I've just bought the game, I think, for like the fourth time or whatever. Um, <laughs> and I'm just starting the DLC because I had never touched the DLC. I'd only ever played the base game. And like that's a game that the community never stopped. Like the mods are some of the funniest, most ridiculous things. It's just beautiful in some cases too. those mods like they, you know, turning the area into like a tropical paradise. Like people do some creative stuff. Yeah, no, it's it's great. That's a game that I mean, like a lot of the games we're probably going to talk about, like they just keep on going. But yeah, like I I don't see how you think of someone says open world game and that doesn't come up in your in your discussion of like top five most important open world games. Yeah. And I think it's a game that it doesn't have a particularly strong like main quest story you know like uh i think that's a very forgettable main quest but like you said the world is so engaging so vast and you know there's a lot of really fun uh quests along the way but mostly what was fun in that game was just wandering you know i think like it nailed that sense of exploration and mystery like around every corner there's something interesting to do or something crazy to fight um 
and I think you know the the cultural penetration that game has is pretty wild. Like the fact that um, my wife who doesn't game, like I, she knows a lot of the different uh, jokes, like you know the Khajiit uh, references and memes that you see sometimes, where like people post pictures of their cat and they're like, oh, "Khajiit has wares or whatever," yeah. and like the arrow <laughs> to the knee, you know. Like when somebody that's not a gamer understands references to a game, you know that it's culturally important. Yeah. Um, just the, I mean, hell, the modding community alone, what what they've been able to do that game is just it's just amazing. That's another game that just won't die, you know, and it keeps coming and coming and coming and just yeah, man, that, that was awesome. The memes, just the the cultural significance of that game, it's just yeah, that that is that is right up there with the all time. I remember I was uh, laid up for like oh gosh, man, probably a week with like a pretty bad injury to my foot um it's like a workman's comp thing so like I, I like wasn't permitted to work like even if i wanted to and um like it was uh, in any other circumstances i may have been kind of down in the dumps you know or frustrated but i just remember sitting with my foot wrapped up on a big fucking pillow and just being like what day is it like when was the last time i showered like i guess i should eat something huh like <laughs> like i mean just it was that kind of game where time just evaporated and um amazing my, my brother was playing around the same time that i was too we had you know two 360s and um i was like yeah motherfucker you need to get your own copy of this shit because uh this one's spoken for for quite a while and both of us kind of playing like simultaneously you know it was, it was awesome to swap stories about the stuff that we had found out in the world do you guys have a favorite quest from Skyrim or like favorite like area or memory? Hmm. God, there's I mean I'm just starting the DLC, so I don't even know. Um I love any of the stuff with the I think it's Daedra, so any mm-hmm. of like the demon mm-hmm. gods. Any yeah. of that stuff is is so good. Especially because I play normally evil characters, so I'm like, I'm all about this. I'll make this deal. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do this. Um I remember like one where you get the the mace that can trap people's souls. And in like the haunted house or whatever, and I'm like, yeah, it's like a green. Please give me this immediately. Green skull mace, right? Like, yeah, and it would fill up the crystals, right? Like, yeah, they would give you fill your soul uh, gems. You don't have to cast yeah. a spell; you could just do it, and it'll fill the soul gem. And I was mm-hmm. like, you think I care about killing people with this thing? Let's go! I'm all about it. <laughs> um, that, and then uh, of course, all the dark brotherhood stuffs always. Oh yeah, agreed. I, just the way that you find the dark brotherhood is really cool, and like in the coffin and shit, like was was pretty epic. I like the hangover quest. That's my favorite, probably, where you wake up like naked and. Oh, your shit's missing, and it's related to the Daedra. Oh, yeah, where you gotta, like, go. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Mm-hmm. How about you, George? You got a favorite quest like or it. area? Anything uh, Assassin's... Was it the Assassin's Guild? Anything related with that? I enjoyed that whole lineup a lot. And the Dark Brotherhood, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know one specific. I don't remember for t- too well, but I just remembered really enjoying playing through that quest line and becoming part of that um, that group. Um, but just me, even just the boss fights, everything just felt so grand and epic in that game, you know? The music, man, the the title screen music, the main theme, you know, was just, whew, man, even booting that game up got you excited before you'd even, you know, <laughs> loaded into the, the main world. Man, cool. Very good. Very good. Anything anybody wants to add before we move on? Oh, uh, no, that's it for me. It's Skyrim. Everyone loves it. Get it. <laughs> yeah, 100% agree with that. So my next pick is going to be The Last of Us. Uh, while you know Naughty Dog had many games that utilized a lot of the technologies that made Last of Us special, um, in particular the motion capture technology, with where uh, instead of animating characters, you had uh, real life actors that were performing. Um, they did that with the 
Uncharted series, I feel like The Last of Us um, arguably made the best use of that te- technology because they were telling such an emotional uh, story. Um, in a lot of ways, I think it's even though it's quieter than the Uncharted games, there's not really the action set pieces. I think that The Last of Us is arguably more cinematic um, in in nature than um, Uncharted because it is such a grounded story for a zombie tale um, in terms of you know the the slow building of the relationship between Joel and Ellie. Uh, I think it's got a, a generous use of um, cutscenes, but doesn't necessarily rely on them to do character building or have big moments. There are plenty of big moments that happen in that game outside of cutscenes um, and just through dialogue and and environmental storytelling. You know, um, I think uh, you know it's probably the first game that ever made me cry, um, and certainly the definitive moment for me where i went okay video games have made it i feel like um there can be no more doubt that this is a legitimate um way to tell a story it's a legitimate um expression of art and um you know uh, i i think this is the game that you can point to 20 years from now and say like you know this this is a it's a watershed moment in um you know video games being respected as a uh, a way to tell a story yeah the the word i would say for that game is is art like that is yeah that that is an amazing emotional uh just kind of a journey and uh all the performance it's really just like the performances like troy and uh, and ashley just absolutely kill it you, know, you said like the the first if the first 10 15 minutes doesn't make you feel anything then don't even bother cuz you're not a human being yeah uh, no kidding man um i was shocked because like i just knew broad strokes about that game when it came out so i figured that that little girl that was on the cover art was you know your daughter maybe a little bit older or something i wasn't expecting spoilers um your daughter to die in the opening um, prologue and i wasn't expecting the 20 year time jump you know like that's it's such a um a brave decision i think like on the part of naughty dog to um take you that far removed from who you start off with to who you end up with and um your character's not very nice either when you meet joel you know a lot of people forget that he's kind of endearing to a lot of folks now but um he, he's not a very nice guy when you've set foot um you know 20 years later and take control of him have you guys ever seen that documentary that they did about the making of it um you can watch it for free on youtube it's like an official sony one I no, don't I, think so. I think I put that in my list and then never got to it with my other 50 things in my list that I need to watch. Oh, treat yourself to it, man. They have some great um, like side by sides of like the scenes in the game and then the actual moment that they like did the motion capture performance. So you can kind of see the actors interacting with each other and um, amazing to see, you know, legitimate tears and like them reacting to each other you know with real raw emotion like on on that set and like you know like you get the feeling that they knew that something special was coming out of it you can just see the look on you know the cast and crew's faces like when they you know yell cut um after they're doing those scenes but it's a really cool it's about i think an hour and a half it's like a robust documentary and they tell you about everything from the design of the um uh, different uh, infected and you know the music all that stuff really really great but i think that's a it's a game that has it all like they're like every aspect of that game is um just the i think the best possible version of what it needed to be for what they were trying to do yeah i mean just to kind of piggyback off everything you guys said i mean that game obviously for me was also one of the one of the best games i've played 
definitely among the the key games of the decade for me what got i mean obviously the opening scenes and all that was pretty emotional but for me it was like the ending too man like you know when he kind of comes to and then comes to a rescue uh breaks her out and saves her because he's just not willing to like sacrifice her uh to try to create that cure and all that shit i mean i just all that man just the whole game and everything about that from start to finish was an emotional journey investment and and yeah man it's like one of those few games that really makes you feel you know um kind of like that same kind of connection you have with uh with arthur and red dead and stuff like that like those games that really get you in there like have you so emotionally invested in the characters that you feel like you're feeling everything that they're going through and and your investment man. those those games are art art in motion the fact that you're controlling it and experiencing it is kind of what what makes the you know this this era this decade in gaming just so so compelling for me and they made you take you know uh, a front seat and they gave you the steering wheel to a certain extent naughty dog i mean but um, I a wonderful thing happened. It was great to watch somebody else go through the same thing that I went through when I played it. So I played it for Rental Rush in October, um, and neither of my guests had played the game before, so they didn't know anything about it. Um, none of the twists or surprises. So it was cool to see that. But in particular, the scene at the end where um, she's on the operating table and you have to slaughter the uh, the scientist. Like in yep. like like they don't give you a ch- you fail the mission because naughty dog goes hey you've been with us this far this is who joel is like there is no other choice here so if you want to see this through you're gonna have to do it and i thought that was so brave and interesting in a time where choice you know driven games were really becoming kind of the uh, flavor of the day you know for a while there in the, uh, the early 2010s you know i love that choice at the end because um yeah that's exactly what he would do like why wouldn't just i mean at the beginning like he wasn't able to save his daughter you don't even you don't you don't have no guarantee that anything's even going to work. So at this point, why would you sacrifice her for a chance? Like, forget it. Like, I'm with him. I would have done the exact same thing. I love that they made you do that choice because that is exactly what Joel would have done. Mm-hmm. And killing the scientist, too. You know, he's clearly, even though he's grown a lot throughout that journey, you know, you get these glimpses of him kind of losing control a little bit. And he's a very angry person, I think, at his core. He's got a lot of rage and it tracks for me that, you know, he would slot like, you know, oh, like you have it in you to like cut this little girl open, like and kill her. You're like, you know, fuck you. And just I mean, just gunning everybody down. You know, it's like it, it's shocking. But I mean, it, it's it's very much in character for him. Uh, cool. All right. Um, George, what's your second game? Bud? Second game for me is going to have to be Overwatch. Um, game that I've gotten just maybe last year or the year before. Um, and it's great, man. I think it's what really has kickstarted, not kickstarted, but I guess uh, pushed into high gear the entire esports uh, community and craze overall, man. Like, I think the Overwatch League is great. I personally thought esports was more stupid. I don't understand why anybody would want to watch someone else play a video game that they could just play themselves. Like, I was all on that side of the fence and and then one day i was waiting for an update on overwatch uh waiting to play and i had the option to watch the overwatch uh, while i waited so i just clicked on that and i was like my jaw was on the floor with how how much of a professional product that is like i i just i just thought it was just some dudes you know and a glorified land party playing against each other right 
I didn't understand that this was basically had announcers, play-by-play guys, commentators, um, you know, it, a full-blown production like a, like a basketball game or a football game. You know, it really seemed no different. Um, so I was, I was really impressed with seeing that. And I, I know that Overwatch had a big hand in driving esports to the next level, I think. Um, and also the game is incredibly unique, right? Is, uh, you know, having these characters that have different abilities yet, you know, the game is still, you know, balanced, one of the best tactical strategy games, you know, and, and it's another game that's constantly getting fine tuned and constantly having changes made as you saw when you, when you hopped in with us the other day, right? With your roll queue and whatnot for quick play. Um, it's a game that continues to, to innovate and I'm excited to see what the future of that game is going to be. Uh, with its sequel, but uh, yeah, it, it's 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 for me, it's a game that you can't compare it to to many of, if any at all. It just it's just so unique in what it brings to the table, um, and how fun it is, really, um, and what it's done for the gaming community as a whole. In in a time where you know we get microtransaction to death, and yes, those are in there, and so are loot boxes. All the content updates, the meaningful things, the new maps, the characters, the modes, the special events all free like what a commendable thing to do um and to garner goodwill with your uh your community it's often held up as the shining example of how you do microtransactions and loot boxes if you're going to have them in your game um i when i played overwatch regularly i used to buy 20 dollars worth of loot boxes about like i don't know every like three to six months not because i wanted them or i felt coerced but it was my way of tipping you know the the developers for an outstanding job at providing me all the you know amazing content throughout the year like i felt compelled to give it to them for that reason alone and whatever i got out of them you know great um i i love this game i think it's a it's a fun game um especially to play with friends you kind of gravitate um you know to a few different characters once you get the hang of it i think it has a high skill ceiling i think it has a a a pretty steep learning curve because not only do you have to get good with a particular character but you have to learn what how to counter all the characters on the roster um and it's a game that sort of rewards um sticking through that and and uh once the game clicks and you have the sort of knowledge and understanding of how its systems are working how t composition um you know should go uh and you ha- it just it's filled with epic moments and you you feel just an, an amazing elation playing it because um you know it's uh, it's just so well designed and it, like i said just the epic moments my god how many times are you fighting over you know a 2 meter space for 5 minutes where you know as the defenders or the attackers you're just trying to get that final push or repel that last attack, you know, and, and just to, to get the victory, man. Like, it's just nothing beats it for me. Do you play Overwatch at all, Adam? Nope, not a game that I've played. Um, I get that everyone likes it. Uh, it's a game, by the time I was interested in playing it, I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to catch up. <laughs> like, I don't want to start at square one um, a year and a half into the, when the game was out. That's that's uh, how I jumped in, man. And I'm not going to lie, it was tough. Um, but if you got a couple buddies that are patient with you and kind of walk walk you through it, Dude, a, a you know a solid gamer will will pick it up, and you just and the way that I learned was just picking up one character at a time, man. I really wouldn't let that hold you back because it's definitely worth playing. And even then, there's still plenty of characters that I haven't mastered or I haven't really messed with. 
Um, be, but I found a good core of characters that I've gotten comfortable with over time, and I'm actually pretty good at it. So, uh, yeah, it is it is a big of uh, a bit of a learning curve, but I wouldn't let that deter you, man. I, I would give it a shot, and and there are some characters that are a little easier to play than others. Um, and and the game tells you that, by the way, they have ratings. Like you can see who's considered a like a high skill player, um, maybe more difficult to pick up. Um, and you you always remember if you play with a squad, your your squad can build around you so if you're interested in something the rest of the people can kind of build around you and i think the the new system of designing roles for everybody makes it a little easier like if you're typically more interested in healing or you know being an offensive like damage dealer character like those are divided nicely for you so you can kind of narrow down the roster a little bit make it easier more digestible so i would say give it a shot someday or maybe when two comes out give it a shot someday um yeah at that point I might as well get two yeah yeah I mean, could be this year. You never know. Awesome. Anything else you want to add about Overwatch, George? Yeah, man. Okay. Let's uh, let's go back to Adam now for uh, for second choice. What, what do you got uh, lined up for us? So the game I'm going to pick here as one of the most influential games of the decade is, I believe it won our tournament last year. No, it came in second. Red Dead Redemption 2. <laughs> I don't remember. It did, not, it did not win much to That's right, you guys are cowards. That's right. <laughs> Uh, no no it's all good uh yeah no red dead 2 um yeah another rockstar game but they're on the list because they deserve it um yeah i don't know if it's the most influential to the entire industry yet maybe give it to next gen and we'll start seeing the influences a little more but to me it's like polish and beauty and for me character and story are my favorite things that's ever come in a game like i've said you know before last year Arthur Morgan is the only video game character that I've actually cared about like that much. Um, and it's just because the way that they pace the game out, like some people are like, oh, it's too long. It's too slow. I, you know, I don't think so after like the first hour, but it makes you earn everything in that game. And once you get it, like you've earned those moments. And to me, like doing storytelling in that way, I haven't seen that often. There's, you know, maybe a couple of the games on this list do storytelling in that kind of a way. But to me, it's like, it's just perfect. They knocked it out of a park. There's, I don't think that there's a better example of how to create a character and have him go through an arc and you go along with that journey and give a shit like I did. And again, the game looks amazing. It's real world simulator cowboy 1911, and uh, as as great. I, I don't I don't think a game is more detailed or pretty than that game that I've that I've seen in a long time. I think one of the the most impressive things about that game for me, in addition to the things that you've already mentioned, which I think you're spot on on everything, um, is uh, we saw a tremendous amount of restraint and refinement from Rockstar with this particular game uh, in that like where Grand Theft Auto is very hyperbolic and goofy and like, you know, just over the top. Like this game was so hyper focused. And I know a lot of people found the systems to be a detriment to the game in terms of like having to pull the trigger twice once to shoot once to cock your rifle for example or you know the fact that um yeah like it's pretty easy to piss somebody off in town by because you're riding your horse too fast and you run somebody over or um you just any number of things i think people found to be annoying in the game i loved i thought that it was an incredible way to immerse you in the world um i felt just so wonderfully um delighted by i I just felt delighted uh, by being kind of encouraged to stop and smell the roses a bit more and take it all in um and again i know that wasn't for everybody but i think that was probably one of the best things uh, about the game for me 
Hello, can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. sorry, I was giving you space, buddy. <laughs> I should have just called on you. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Red Dead is, is is fucking great, man. Like I said earlier, man, Arthur, Arthur, a character that you got to feel that connection to. Uh, maybe I didn't feel that connection quite as much as Adam, but it, it was definitely, it was definitely, um, God, everything, all the bad luck and, and bad for you would, uh, go through. You, you just felt it, man. And then, uh, spoiler alert, when you get sick and you're just like, oh, I'm, I'm sure I can go somewhere to fix it. Right. And go find some sort of doctor that can, that can cure me. And you, it starts to settle, set in that it, it's not going to happen. This is going to be the way that it ends and heartbreaking, a heartbreaking story. Um, and man, you know. Not only that, he, he, he's sick because of his own actions. You know, actions earlier in the game, you know, beating somebody up with ter- tuberculosis and being exposed to disease through kind of, yeah. you know, when he's still kind of an evil man to some extent, like, is what causes that, I think is just such a great narrative twist. Yeah, man. And then, uh, what's this guy's name? Um, the the leader of the gang? Dutch. Dutch. Oh, my God. God, man, my fucking disdain for that guy, man. <laughs> um, I mean, but that role I mean, was that played him, but that was also like he was an excellent character, excellent villain, you know, in, in a sense. It was just really well portrayed, man. And you could see how Arthur still had that attachment to him. Um, you know, felt kind of compelled or obligated to to kind of follow him down a really bad paths, you know, before he finally, you know, has had enough, you know. But ah, what a great game, man. And it's clever, too, because, you know, it being a prequel, you know that things aren't going to end well. So you have this impending sense of doom over the game. And despite knowing that, like, I wanted to feel hope at so many different (laughs) moments in the game that things were going to turn around, even though I knew they weren't. For sure, man. Rockstar owned that fucking decade, man. So we should just cancel the rest of our choices. Good night, guys. (laughs) Thanks for listening. (laughs) I'm I'm just saying, like, the guys, just they just don't they don't put out anything but hits. Yeah, well, they like set the bar, and then um, they the next person to clear it is always rock star for the most part. Like that's just kind of how how it's gone, you know, for probably two decades, honestly. Yeah. Sweet. Well, I guess it's time for my final choice, eh? Ah, uh, to the surprise of nobody, it's Dark Souls. Um, man, you know, uh, hard to believe that you know this uh, genre. Um, of games uh, if you're not counting demon souls and i don't really um because dark souls is the biggest and most influential of all those games um has been it's been less than 10 years um and the reason i picked dark souls even though you could argue maybe that some of the other Soulsborne games are uh better overall i think you could make the argument for probably both bloodborne and sekiro um, being like, you know, a better package overall. Um, Dark Souls is the game that started it off and really is what they've iterated on and refined from for every game that they've made. And it's not just been from software, but they've spawned an entire genre. It's not very often that we get a new genre in games. And oh, yeah. the Souls-like, you know, or Soulsborne-like um, genre has become a thing. Look at, you know, Jedi Fallen Order, uh, recently, um, and then even some games um, outside of, of that, where maybe they don't embrace all of the aspects of the genre. Certainly, embrace you know some um, from anything from combat to the how the XP works, the high risk, high reward. Um, it's a game that was um, uh, really just a curiosity for me. I uh, I caught a reference in Borderlands Two to Dark Souls, um, and uh, 
you, people were going ape shit over an Easter egg, and I was like, Dark Souls, what's that? Why is everyone going ape shit? Googled it, um, saw that it was a notoriously hard game, immediately was tempted to kind of um, check out from there. I'm like, eh, I, I don't want something that's like, I mean, just everything you read, punishing, you know, like uh, sadistic, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, nope. And then over the co- course of a couple of months, I, I heard you know, more and more, and it was popping up more and more like as word of mouth kind of gain momentum um, around it and um, decided to uh, give it a shot, you know, um, purchased a used copy at uh, GameStop and um, tried to play the first couple of hours on my own, got past like the tutorial area and then just was getting absolutely rinsed and decided, you know what, like I want to use a guide until I feel a little comfortable here and then we'll see what happens. So I used a guide to get up to like the first bell and fight the gargoyles. And from there I was I was hooked. Like I had never been so miserable and frustrated um, playing a game before, but I also had never been so exhilarated when I finally cleared a boss. Like there it was just like absolute thrill um my heart was pounding in my chest i had a sliver of health no more healing items and it could honestly have gone either way and i happened to come out on top and that moment was was echoed you know over and over and over and over again and um you know just yeah it it was the beginning of the end for me man like i will forever love that game i know it backwards and forwards and um Anything that From Software does uh, to this day, I mean, God, they're collaborating with George R. R. Martin to make, you know, a game in that genre, but a little more open world where he's doing the lore. Like, fucking, come on, man! Um, and I think, you know, it's uh, it's to be commended um, for all the reasons I mentioned, but in particular because it did spawn that uh, that genre. George, you just played your first uh, Soulsborne game um, this uh, this year. It was Sekiro it was your game of the year for 2019. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have much to say on the Dark Sonora. I remember playing in Souls and hating it, but I was also a pretty angry kid back then, so... Uh, but that game was fucking brutal. Um, you know, I, I, I've gotta give it up to... Yeah, like, like I thought your take on that was pretty spot on, how they just basically took a genre or created one uh, or made it their own. I mean, I feel like some of these games, like Sekiro and a little bit of uh, Dark Souls that I played... Um, it kind of reminded me a bit of those difficult games from back in the day. Like, I don't know if you guys played like Shinobi for the PS2 mm-hmm. or some of those Ninja Gaiden games where like you had pretty epic or difficult boss fights that, you know, I feel like it took that type of game and just kind of refined it, made it its own and, and just kind of, you know, took it to the next level and then some, you know, um, I, I tried Dark Souls 3 a little bit, um, but I didn't get gain much of my attention. Sekiro for me, obviously... I thought it was a wonderful game, great game, um, and I'll probably try Bloodborne next. From what I, I get, that's the one to do. Yeah, because yeah. it stands alone. It's different enough from, um, you know, Secure or the Souls games, um, but I think yeah. it's probably the next most approachable game for sure. That's probably what I'm gonna go with, and then maybe give one of the Dark Souls games a try again. I don't think that I could get in. Maybe I'll try Dark Souls three again. I don't think that I could get into one given its age. Even in some of the videos that I'm seeing, it just doesn't look good enough for me anymore, to be honest. But um, um, yeah, I I I I can't knock, and you've got to tip my I've got to tip my hat to what that what they've done with that genre as a whole. Yeah, like you said, everything is being compared. Oh, this is a Souls like game, Souls born game. Like that, that's that's crazy that they the term the Dark Souls of X is a thing now, where like you know what that means. Like yeah, there's not a whole lot of games I can say that they 
done that, you know? Mm. And not even trying to, right? Like, that's not their purpose involved in this thing, you know, organically. Spawned the phrase get good as well, I think, was like one of those things that people, you know, famously asking for help on forums, you know, back when forums were really, you know, I mean, obviously we still have internet forums, but that was a primary source of talking about games in a lot of ways. And that response that, you know, maybe started off as sort of a trolley response has kind of become a genuine piece of advice, you know, in a term of endearment a little bit, you know, a little good nature rising, uh, get good. Uh, Adam, you picked uh, Dark Souls Remastered up for the Switch. Did you fire it up at all? Like, um, did you give it a shot? No, I haven't installed. I haven't touched it yet. I'm yeah. just waiting on a good time to do it. Because, I again, I make fun of people like Dark Souls just because I think it's funny uh, how mad they get about it. But I do think it's a good game. Like, I played one a lot back in the day. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't stick with it a, a ton. Um, just basically, I mean, it's for, like, the world and the aesthetic I've talked about. Like, I don't like having to read items to get the story. But does you can't deny, again, it made an entire genre that I it kind of enjoy the other things that are in the genre. So that's why I'm going back and giving it another chance. Because, you know, I like that. I like the game play. I like the style of game. So it's like, I'll give the OG another try. So, yeah, I mean, you can't. When a game makes a genre, you can't really argue that it's not influential at the very least. For sure. And one other thing I will note, because I know we're, uh, it's probably about time to move on. Um, Spawn, my personal, like, favorite um, YouTube channel, um, three uh, British guys uh, who used to work for IGN, um, challenged one of them to finish Dark Souls before Dark Souls 3 came out. It's a show that was called Prepare to Try. Um them playing that game and people watching somebody play that through the for the first time and go through all the frustration and the discovery and sort of watching somebody get good, you know, right in real time became a career for them. Like they make uh, $31,000 a month between, you know, the three of them just based around, I mean, that's what spawned, you know what I mean? Like, and I think that's impressive. They have a great community. And uh, if you guys are ever looking for something entertaining to watch, the original Prepare to Try is great. And then, you know, their new uh, channel, RKG Videos, um, has so much, you know, fantastic content, including when they, um, I think their most watched video was flying back from LA to England uh, from E3. They beat Dark Souls on an airplane. Like, they had a charger. um, They had to do, like, the quick capture for, like, the 30 seconds that you could capture on the Switch. And then they were doing, like, little video diaries in the airplane bathroom to update, like, the audience on the progress and shit. And they had, like, all these notebooks and stuff. And that was kind of impressive and fun. So, shout out to RKG. Uh, George, give us your number three, your final choice. Yep. Got a war, man. Got a war. Me, um, it's, I think it's the best game of the current generation. Um, PS4 slash Xbox One. Um, I won't put the Switch in that category because, you know, its own thing. But uh, for me, it was, it's a perfect game from start to finish, man. I, I I can't say a single negative thing about it. I mean, I can't think of anything really that, that I would want to change. Um, you know, I hope there's going to be more. It looks to be more. Um, it's just a it's just a fucking monster of a game, you know? Um, you know, it can be it can be as difficult as some of these Souls games if you play it on the hardest difficult, as I did. Uh, those Valkyrie fights are fucking brutal, uh, awesome, so challenging, especially depending if you, you try to take them on earlier and give yourself a little bit of an added challenge. That whole uh, father-son combination storyline created its own set of memes and, and lore and cultural significance. And it's just one of those games that has had a following ever since the original, I guess, original three God of War games. But this one was nothing like those. It was comp- entirely different. 
Um, and it's a game that has a lot of mainstream appeal. It's a game that even attracts like the casual gamer, you know, instead of a uh, just the hardcore guys. Um, I I loved it, man. I loved uh, seeing a, an entirely different side to Kratos. You know, I, it man. I, I don't know. I don't know what else I can say about that game. For me, a perfect game. It's a true ten. Um, obviously, I had it edged a little. I have it edging um, out Red Dead, but um, not by much. But yeah, man, you you can't you can't talk about this decade without that game, in my opinion. Just a a great example of how video games can grow up with their audiences, and and you know you can still take a franchise that's been around for a while and reinvent it for a modern generation of gamers and consoles, and do something really special. Like I never played any of the other God of Wars. I don't feel like I'm at a loss for anything, you know, not having played them. But I, I would say to anybody that listens, if you've never played God of War, you are missing out on something truly special by not having played it. I mean, it's um, it's just incredible. Yeah, I mean, ditto. Like, uh, where they took that series, because, I mean, I've always liked God of Wars, even though they were just dumb, like, run around, kill stuff. Where they just took that character and they, they acknowledged the past, and then they just move it forward and just like, all right, let's just make some of the most emotional, you know, like satisfying game that's out there. Yeah, I mean, God of Wars is amazing. Even for me, and like, I'm not really a huge PlayStation guy besides the exclusives. And like, that's a reason that I would own a PlayStation is for that game. If you bought a system for that game, I wouldn't be mad at you. For like, sure. It is, it is that good. Yeah, like, I, I mean, if you own a PlayStation and you haven't played God of War, like, don't even talk to me. Like, you're, I can't even recognize you. It's fucking $10, man, or it was <laughs> at least over the holidays, you know, like, a better yeah, value I, mean, I cannot think of, really. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 you know, somebody's traveling to the past 50 years from now and wants to know what gaming was like. Like, it's, that's where you begin, you know? This list is where you begin. But God of War for me is probably takes a cake of other games of this, this particular generation, you know? It's still a good like example. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I still like Mass Effect more. This current generation, um, it probably comes down to God of War and Red Dead Redemption. You know, you're splitting hairs at that point. Just a, a masterpiece of a game. Yeah. And I, I think uh, it's a, also a prime example of like meaningful quest design and avoiding bloat. Like that game feels so lean, but still substantial. It's like what, probably around 40 hours if you do everything in the game, roughly. If not. Uh, but but it feels very like substantial um even though like you know simultaneously it's like, like I, I don't know if there was ever like other stuff in the game from what it was or if that's just kind of the scope they had in mind but um anytime like i did a side quest or two and was ready to move on to the main quest it was time to move on to the main quest the way that they kind of threw uh the design of the world and some things that happen with um how the the main hub changes i'll just leave it at that like as you do things i think let's the game um breathe and have it a pace that's appropriate for where like certain quests you just can't access um until a little bit later so it kind of pushes you back towards the main story and um you know i just uh man i i i not a, I, I, not a moment wait in that game there's no. not a moment that you're like you know, just doing random fetch quests and random stupid shit just to just to get that hundred percent. That to me is one of the few games where getting the platinum trophy or you know the hundred percent Xbox equivalent, right? It doesn't feel like a grueling, daunting task that you're just trying to do it just because. Like you can get that just by playing the and enjoying the game. You know, I think the only thing that had any any amount of uh, tediousness to it is collecting the uh, 
the Ravens. Ravens. Yeah. But even then, like there was an, an egregious amount. No, not even. You went back to a couple of areas to find them, but I would say like eighty-five percent of them you got just by being just by playing the game. You know, um, they weren't too too difficult. It, it wasn't too much of a burden, and I didn't mind that at all. But just shout out to the fucking Leviathan Zach, right? Like, give it up for that. Like, what a cool weapon, you know? Like oh, that thing yeah. never got sick of using that thing ever. But then, but then when they, you know, give that nod to the old games, that moment, I mean, you didn't play the, the other games, but that moment when you go and you dig up your old, uh, uh, your old swords, like that was, uh, Oh, the blades of chaos. Yeah. yeah. The, the, for, for people who played the original games, that was a big, big fucking moment too. You know, it gave that, me goosebumps and I never played the original games. Like I understood the significance of it. Cause I knew enough from watching a couple of like, you know, videos. And he takes the little wraps off of his arms and you see the scars yep. and shit. Yeah, like it gave me goosebumps and I had, you know, no real context for it. But I understood nonetheless, like the way they did it was great. And then the, the, the ending, right? And then the, the little post post credit scene, you know, from per se. With, oh, my God. Or like that just like that's that's the way that you end a good game on a good note without. But you give a cliffhanger without it being a real cliffhanger, you know, like you didn't feel like you're missing something this game. But it just gave you like that whole shit. I can't fucking wait, you know, um, for whatever is going to come. Um, I, I can't wait. Awesome. Well, Adam, you get the honors of doing uh, the last of our game. We have kind of a special number 10 game that we'll do. It's more of a, a nod, quick nod. But uh, give us your, your final game of the evening. The final game, the most influential game, maybe of all time. That's uh, no, PUBG. <laughs> uh I mean, here's my thing about it. I, first of all, I love PUBG. I play the shit out of PUBG. I probably put 600 hours in that game or something at this point. It's it is my go-to. Just the fact that like we're talking about with like Souls and all those things that it it spawned a genre. You know, I think there was like Daisy or one of those other um, early access games before it, but mm-hmm. this definitely popularized it. It spawned Fortnite Battle Royale. They straight up said like, oh yeah, we love PUBG. We want to make our own version and Apex Legends, I guess, and Proxy and those three games alone kind of helped push forward like streaming like game streaming right because if you look at the most popular games it's always been one of those three especially like fortnite was massive and the battle royale genre created just like this huge explosion for for live streamers as well as just being some of the most popular games on the market and it all started with a little arma mod that a guy turned into uh eventually turned it into PUBG and just it, the simple idea is like you drop down, you don't have anything, pick up stuff, and then you got to get closer and fight each other. It was like, all right, we're going to do Hunger Games is popular, uh, but we get to kill people instead of be kids. Like it's, I'm mean, again, like I've already said, it, it helped Twitch become a thing, I think. So, uh, smash records, you know, concurrent records, like nobody constantly every ever... week it was like, oh, more concurrence. And it's funny because even in PUBG, they're like, oh, yeah, Fortnite killed PUBG, even in PUBG's slow period quote-unquote it's still better than every it's like fortnite PUBG below that and then below that is even whatever game it is is smaller than that so even at a low point PUBG still does better numbers than whatever game that you want to champion so yeah that those games all continue to go strong and that one specifically is the one that i enjoy the most just because i like the more realistic feel to it but uh yeah PUBG, big deal and i never played it on pc right so even at its most broken on console <laughs> when it was not very optimized, you know, latency issues. I don't know that I've ever had the sphincter pucker factor so high in a game and 
my God, just that one more match, one more match, one more match, and <laughs> where we victory... drop, <laughs> yeah, where we drop the boys, where we drop boys, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, you know, and just like victory has never tasted so sweet in a game to me because of the nature of that, what that genre is. Um, I mean, just fucking screaming, waking my wife up, the dog, you start barking, you know, cause I'm, I'm like on my feet, like screaming, you know, like he's one shot, bro. He's one bro. shot <laughs> contact contact. Oh God, man. I've, I've never, I don't know if this happened to you guys, but I would have to always take a piss in the middle of a fucking PUBG game. If that, if that game went on long, I would have to take a break just to go pee. I don't know if it's my nerves or what, but fuck that. that that's also one game that I could never. I only played uh, solos just so I could get that one win on my record and then call it a day. But solo to me was just way too nerve wracking. I felt like I was going to have a heart attack when you're like in the top 10 and you're prone in the grass and the ghillie suit trying to stay in cover. And then some asshole just fucking shoots at you from behind out of nowhere. Your heart just starts racing. It drops. Like, yeah, like you said, Chris, there there is no game in the world where a win is so satisfying as that of a battle royale game and that begins with PUBG. you know i think it's not mistaken right it's the highest selling uh pc game of all time um which is crazy i think and yeah man i i, I played a lot of PUBG, and i'll play it sparingly here and there because i got a buddy who's obsessed with it won't let it go um and it's fun man like i remember chris you were the one who got me into it uh we had a several good nights and it's also a game that i feel like the concept of it it's just simple right it's just a free-for-all 100 people survive it's a simple concept and really it obviously the game takes a lot of skill a lot of coordination and tactics but it also felt like a game where anybody could you've got these pro players the streamers that get a ton of wins but your average gamer could not have win in that game and it was uh always within grasp it's always every game is winnable and you know this is awesome, and it's just it's just probably one of the more thrilling games that i've I've played for the sheer variety of encounters, right? Like I, sometimes we would go, let's fucking go in hot, you know, let's go right for let's go to Pachinki. Yeah, and like let's just like you know we're like we'd have some like really long games, you know, and we're like, you know, let's fuck fortune favors the bull. Let's see if we can come out on top. We do that a couple games in a row. and like when you'd win that encounter and you had that whole city to yourself because you wiped the other teams. Um, some of my favorite laughs are from that game, oddly enough, too. Like, as tense as it was, like, I have so many fond memories. Like, your friend Tim. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> his, like, first match, I think, with us was, like, calling us pussies and running outside. He got run over by a fucking Jeep oh, immediately. Yeah, yeah. They were circling the house that we were in. We were like, no, stay here, man. Stay inside. Stay in. He's like, you guys are bitches. And then just ran outside and immediately just got pancaked. <laughs> and he was like. He's like, man, if you guys have backed me up, we're like, yeah, we'd be dead too, buddy. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah man, um, I agree. Very special. Um, it may not have the sort of, you know, um, size, like uh, community and popularity as Fortnite, but I 100% support your choice. I think without PUBG, there is no Fortnite. There is no Apex. So props. For sure. All right. Well, let's bring it on home. Do we want to do the game that we're talking about as like a number 10? Like, I know it's not really Adam's thing. We could do that or we could do another quick round of video game 20 questions just for the fuck of it. What would you guys rather do? I don't want to do 20 questions because that shit was long, man. That shit was long last time. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not fair, enough, fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Oh, 
I mean, honorable mention or we move on, you know. Yeah, I'm not, this not is exactly happy with the state of that game. <laughs> no, yeah, we don't have to go into that. Um, I will make it like a quick two-minute blurb. So uh, Destiny, um, you know, as a franchise, not necessarily just like two or one, was the game that we wanted to, you know, kind of round out the list for a 10. Um, for, for the reason, you know, of it being one of the first biggest, like, uh, games as a service. Um, highly anticipated Bungie coming off of the Halo franchise. That game was teased for years and years and years. And uh, really a shining example of how developer support, continued developer support can take something that launches in, you know, maybe not the best state um, and and become something almost unrecognizable and special a year uh, later. And I think also influential on that genre. Everyone has chased that Destiny magic, I think. Um, you know, like your divisions of the world, um, your ghost recons, whatever, anthem. And nobody, I don't think is in my opinion, like come close. Like I've had fun with plenty of the games in that genre, but I don't in terms of like combat feeling as tight as it does, um, strikes and raids, like I don't think anyone's come close. That's my take. Yeah, I'm with you. Obviously, I just got into Destiny two and not I didn't get so far into the first one. But yeah, I mean the community base of that your clan the the raids are great uh for the most part um and yeah it's i think it's a testament of what is possible when you are constantly uh providing updates for a game right like the game is ongoing it's it's ever evolving um they don't always get it right you know uh they i think they've gotten it right more times than not it's not always perfect what they roll out but they're always trying different things always trying to roll out things and keeping the game going um you know, they respect I, the community too like i feel like they're they they walk a good line of having their vision but also not ignoring like community feedback right you know it, it just feels like and that's why I, I don't like knocking them because it feels like they try man they they try you know there's a lot of effort that goes into what they do um you know it's one of those things you can't please everyone so you know i get it there's be criticism but you know it's yeah man they they I think they had to fix one and two, right? From the beginning, there was the, the launches were less than ideal. Um, and both those games made significant comebacks. Um, you know, just just the, just the communities, you know? I might, not, I might not be sitting in this podcast right now if it wasn't for me getting into Destiny 2, you know? Um, just the kind of relationships that you build, all the people that you, that you meet, you know, because the game requires so much coordination to do the, the most... Uh, rewarding stuff in it you know which is which is great um you know current state is not probably not ideal i hope it gets better i hope it turns around but just you know you can't deny the amount of time that's gone into playing that game yeah and um i you know as much as you used to give a shit when you first kind of joined the the clan like uh, you can i'm sure like if destiny 3 were to drop a year from now and we had somebody new, like you're gonna be that person that says, Man, I remember in Destiny 2, or do you guys remember in Destiny 2 and blah 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 blah? Like, because uh-huh. you have those you have those moments that like are shared experiences with friends that are so unique, um, you know, to what that game is and and to play with six players. Um, it's very special to to us anyway. Sorry, Adam. I know it's not really oh, your no, it's good. Your jam. And, again, as far as like a, I call it a, like an MMO light because I feel mm-hmm. it is exactly what yeah. it is. But as a console MMO or an MMO light, like you're right, everyone's tried to do it. It was a big thing that everyone's like, oh, we've got to make our game like Destiny. And then I don't think any of them really worked out like that. So, <laughs> you know, Bungie's pedigree and kind of making a sort of a like a subgenre, pretty big deal. 
and they kept that philosophy from Halo where what did they say like um it's like uh they they wanted their core gameplay loop to be something fun and exciting happens every 10 seconds like and i think largely like they succeed you know with how it feels to shoot throw grenades and be on vehicles so yeah i think mmo light is a really good way to put it and it is uh it is an mmo that actually where you can take breaks where you can you know where you can take some time off the game and not feel like you're behind or forgotten um in fact i almost think the game almost encourages uh taking some time off you know um which is cool you know, even though I haven't been playing it as much lately, I know that I can still pick it up and get right back into it, you know? Awesome. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Well, let's bring it home for this week. Uh, does anybody want to plug anything before we go? Adam, I know you have a new project. Do you want to give us a quick mm-hmm. shout? Yeah, so on Sunday, I'll have my new podcast dropping. I think like five episodes of it, uh, the first arc. It's uh, called Owl of Misfit Rolls. It's a D&D actual play podcast. So if you like... You know, Critical Role or just D&D in general, give that a look out. Yep, this Sunday, five episodes should be coming out at once. I'm curious to check it out myself. I've been kind of circling uh, the kill for a while, so to speak, wanting to get into D&D, been a little shy. So I'm going to give it a listen and uh, and check it out. Maybe that'll give me the final push. Be like Palpatine and do it. Awesome, man. I like it. George, anything you want to plug? Uh, Nah, man. Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. Been playing that a lot. 30 hours <laughs> since Friday. I'm tired. Great game. <laughs> awesome, man. That's good to hear. Yeah. Um, I've just finished uh Witcher 3 and gonna move back to Death Stranding, play some Neo. Uh no real projects. I haven't announced and I don't know that I'm ready to announce what my um February rental rush game is quite yet. Um, but uh coming up in the spring, um I am gonna do Dark Souls Academy. That'll be a YouTube based show where I teach two noobs how to play Dark Souls and uh over the course of a few months and then it'll culminate in a special episode of Rental Rush where we tackle one of the uh the Souls games. So I'm I'm looking forward to that, having a project where I don't have to stream, um, don't have to have like such long play sessions, but rather can kind of do something where I chip away a little bit, do a little more video editing because I'm I miss doing that. So uh more on that to come. Um until uh, next week, guys, it's been been awesome. That was fun. Time flo- uh, flew by as it always does, hanging out with you guys. So, Later, guys. Yep. Have a good night. Thanks for listening, everybody. Like, share, and subscribe. We love you.